from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT here on Wednesday, July 26th. Uh, I cannot believe, I really can't, that we're in July, that it's the end of July, that next week is August. I cannot believe that this is where we stand right now. We're in the last, we're going to be in the last five months of the year. So cherish the moments, cherish your days, cherish your time. I got to do that right now. You know, I'm sitting here telling you to do that. I, I'm like, I have to do that. I have to cherish my time. I have to cherish what I have from God and the blessings that I have. So please take the time to enjoy your life and take the time to, you know, be around family and be around friends and and just be around good people. Surround yourself with good people. You know, when you're at the grocery store, you can't, you can't, decide who you're around you can't decide okay this you know I'm gonna hang out with this person and do this and that I mean you're out in the public but when you're in the comfort of your own home you can hang out with whoever you want to hang out with when you're talking on the phone with somebody or whatever it may be I mean you choose who you get to spend some time with and choose that time wisely and be smart about it because you should go out there and you should have fun and you should enjoy your life and there should be no if ands or buts about it so Make sure you take time for yourself, take time for your family, and be good to one another. Always. Today in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. This morning menu for today's show focuses on the ACC Coastal Division, the Atlantic Coast Conference Coastal Division. For football, as you know, I went to the ACC kickoff. Those of you who have seen the videos, I appreciate you watching on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. This is the audio portion of it all, so you get an opportunity to hear from coaches and players from throughout the Atlantic Coast Conference Coastal Division. On today's show, you are going to hear from the Virginia Cavaliers head coach Bronco Mendenhall, as well as their safety Quinn Blanding and quarterback Kurt Benkert. You also hear from Duke Blue Devils head coach David Cutcliffe, cornerback Brian Fields, and quarterback Daniel Jones. You'll hear from Miami Hurricanes head coach Mark Richt and their running back Mark Walton, as well as Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson, defensive end Keyshawn Freeman, and Ricky June, their wide receiver. You'll hear from Pittsburgh head coach Pat Narduzzi, as well as his cornerback Avante Maddox, and his offensive tackle, Brian O'Neill. You'll also hear from North Carolina's head coach, Larry Fedora, offensive tackle, Bentley Spain, and cornerback, MJ Stewart. And we'll round out the ACC Coastal Division interviews with Virginia Tech and their head coach, Justin Fuente, linebacker, Andrew Motuapuaka, and you will also hear from the likes of wide receiver Cam Phillips. So, and then we'll break it down, kind of what they said and what I took out of it and whatnot. So we'll go over each of these conversations as we go throughout the show. And then inevitably in the second hour we'll talk some we'll talk some sports and we'll get deeper into things, deeper into some conversations, some things that are on my mind 
today we'll definitely go over. So very excited to have you on the show today. Appreciate you tuning in this morning and very much looking forward to everything that I'll be able to share with you today from my work at the ACC kickoff as we get set for the 2017-18 college football season and these ACC Coastal Division teams. So we're going to start first and foremost with Bronco Mendenhall. And with Bronco, the conversation begins with Bronco Mendenhall on former assistant Ruffin McNeil and what he can say about Ruffin. Well, Coach Ruffin, to this team, seeing him go through that adversity of playing injured last year and how he's leading you into this second year. I know you said you don't know when the wins will come, but just what you can say about his leadership and what he's brought to the program. First of all, what Kirk um, is bringing to our program is ability. When, uh, when I first saw him, even though he had his knee brace on, he came in for, for fall camp. Instantly, there was a presence and the ability to make every throw. Those are the two things I noticed first.
that all coming from Bronco Mendenhall, the head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers, here on today's broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. I want to go through each team, and then we'll take a break after each of the seven teams of the ACC Coastal Division to go deeper into their quotes and some of the things that they said. So you just heard from Bronco Mendenhall, and now we will move forward to Quinn Blanding, the safety of the Virginia Cavaliers, and then we'll get into Kurt Benkert, quarterback of the team. And once we go through each of their responses to my questions heading into the 2017-18 ACC season, then we'll break down Virginia, and then we'll move on to another team. So you'll get to hear from the players and the coach, and then we'll move forward from there. This is what Quinn Blanding had to say when I asked him about why he returned to Virginia instead of going into the NFL draft. And from Quinn Blanding to the offensive side of the ball, Kurt Benkert, their quarterback, what he has to say about growing through adversity, playing injured last season, and how that strengthened him. I think playing through that difficulty really kind of showed me who I was and what I could take um, as a player. Kind of pushing me to my limits. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing and starting this season healthy. I mean, that kind of was something that was difficult, but yeah, I got through it. I was really happy that I was able to do that. That coming once again from Kurt Ben Kurt. And now I want to break down Virginia. So if you're just listening into the show here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one stop sports shop. And on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. These are my questions to the ACC Coastal Division players and coaches heading into the 2017-18 season. And I feel very honored for the opportunity to have spoken with them. I want to thank the ACC. And in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is an honor and a privilege to share these with you. So you're going to hear from the coach and the players of that team, and then we're going to break down what they said. So to go back to Bronco Mendenhall, starting here with Virginia, I asked him about Ruffin McNeil, and he said it was bittersweet seeing him move on to Oklahoma. Now Ruffin McNeil spent a few seasons as the East Carolina Pirates head coach. That's how I met Ruffin. And then he went on to Virginia for one season, which was Broncos' first there. And he has since moved on to Oklahoma. He said he's one of the bo- one of the best people that he's ever met in and out of fo- in or out of football. He's genuine. He's authentic. He had a saying that he would coach you hard and love you harder. And he had a, u- a unique ability to switch. He has a unique ability to switch from one to the other seamlessly, and the players grasp that. And they would take hard coaching for him because they knew of his intent and his motive, which to me is a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, he said he would have rough time in a meeting where he had rough stand in front of the team and nobody ever knew what was going to be said, but he had complete trust that it would be powerful and impactful to the development of young people. So obviously sad to see Ruffin McNeil go from Virginia, but those that have stayed as Bronco about, so I mean, you know, Ruffin's bittersweet. You know, Ruffin is somebody who I respect. He's somebody who I really just liked from the minute that I first spoke with him. And we were 
in Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, at the American Athletic Conference kickoff. He was a head coach of East Carolina. And we were the last two, he was my last interview that I did that year, a few years ago. And he said to me, he said, Daniel, he said, there's a reason why I'm your last interview. There's a reason why God, God wanted you and I to talk today and wanted you and I to talk now and wanted this to be the last conversation that was had of any interviews. There's a reason why we're talking today at the time we're talking and why, you know, we're the last, the last conversation between each other. So, you know, I, I really just, I really appreciate everything that Ruffin McNeil is. And I know that Bronco has too. So it's bittersweet. Then I asked him about Kurt Benkert, his quarterback, that he's gone through adversity and how he's leading him into the second year. Just what he can say about he doesn't know when the wins will come, but what he can say about leadership and what Kurt Benkert's brought to the program. And he said about his quarterback, he's bringing to our program ability. When I first saw him, even though he had his knee brace on and he came in for fall camp, instantly there was a presence and the ability to make every throw. Those are the two things I noticed first. What was also clear at that time is his mobility was not back and his understanding in a brand new system was going to take time. So all those things were apparent at the beginning. What he held pretty close to the vest a year ago is the hit he took in the UConn game, which was early in the year. Significant impact on, on what we could do with him and what we did do with him and what we chose to do with him. I think he handled that really, really well, fighting through a lot of adversity. So... As we move forward, he said, what I see at this point, and I'm now taking and moving back to spring practice, he's more mobile, speaking about Kurt Benkert, more accurate, more confident, certainly healthier, and will need to remain so for us to continue to move the program forward, at least in year two the way we would hope. He's critical. And a unique challenge as a head coach, he said, is to design systems to make sure he can remain healthy, confident and capable calling and utilizing him calling and utilizing him that allow him capable but you often incapable 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 but you also incapable but you also want him to take chances so you know Kurt's Kurt Ben Kurt hopefully will be the happy medium that Virginia needs because Virginia has had a very tumultuous tumultuous last couple years and it's been difficult to watch at times. So the hope for all the Virginia fans out there is that this time around things are going to get better, things are going to be cleaner, and the team is going to have more success in a conference that demands your best game every single moment. And it's not that other conferences don't, but the ACC can be argued to be the best conference in the nation across all sports. And when you can make that argument, you know that there are no plays you can take off. There are no times you can take off. There are no teams that you can bowl over. You just have to always be prepared, always be ready, and always put yourself in the best situation. And in that sense, they're hoping that the best situation for Virginia is Kurt Benkert and that he can lead this team as they move forward. And speaking on moving forward, I want to move forward into my conversations with the Duke Blue Devils as we continue in today's show to focus on the ACC Coastal Division. And we're going to start with the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, that being David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe and I had an opportunity to speak heading into the season, and this is what he had to say 
about where Daniel Jones, his quarterback, is right now compared to where he needs him to be. coming once again from David Cutcliffe, the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. And coming up next for you is on the defensive side, and that is Brian Fields. And then we'll go to Daniel Jones. Brian Fields, cornerback of the Duke Blue Devils. Him and I started off our conversation heading into the 2017-18 season on some Duke players that aren't household names yet in the secondary that, in his opinion, will become household names in this secondary for Duke. Yeah. So we have a lot of guys that have seen some playing time. Uh, Jeremy, Duffy, Jordan Hayes, uh, Devin Singleton, just to mention a few. Uh, Mark Gilbert as well. Um, young guys, extremely talented. Extremely talented. More talented than I was. I was I'm sure Rihanna uh, and Devon will say the same thing. But, um, those guys have really been sure uh, they were young. That coming from Brian Fields of the Duke Blue Devils on the defensive side, and then switching to the offensive side, I asked David Cutcliffe about where he thinks Daniel Jones is and what he thinks of Daniel Jones' talent at quarterback. So it made sense to go back to Daniel Jones and say, hey, I asked David about you. What do you think about David, this quarterback guru, as some people think him to be? What can you say about working with David Cutcliffe and what he's taught you about the quarterback position? And this is what Daniel Jones of the Duke Blue Devils had to say. So, um, you know, I'd say most people probably, if you don't know exactly, you know, the X and O's of the game, can get an idea that Coach Cut is as good as he is with that and uh, the fundamentals and technical aspect of playing the position. Um, you know, he's second to none, and, and that's a huge advantage for me. But, um, you know, as a young quarterback, I'd say more than anything, uh, just his support and his confidence in me um, with, you know, his background and, and um, you know, what he's done in his career was, um, you know, very helpful for me as a young quarterback and, you know, something, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of and, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, a big part of uh, my progression, actually. That coming once again from Daniel Jones of the Duke Blue Devils, and as we've been doing here on today's show, going through the ACC Coastal Division and my direct questions 
and responses from the ACC Coastal Division coaches and players. We went through Virginia, and as we're doing with each of these teams, you will hear from the head coach, their players, and then we will break down what they said. So uh, David Cutcliffe going a little bit deeper into Daniel Jones and his progression, where he sees him opposed to other quarterbacks he's had at Duke, and where he needs to be as he moves forward, including where he is at this point. And so David Cutcliffe said, he mentioned Thad Lewis, who's still an NFL player. He said Daniel is that type of talent. He's got arm talent, the ability to beat you in other ways. He's an exceptionally bright young man. All of these things we've seen, guys, we've not only, we've, we've had not only at Duke, but previous, the reasons they were successful in collegiately, Daniel has a lot of those attributes, stating that he believes that Daniel Jones could be a successful NFL quarterback because he has attributes that he's seen <clears throat> in other quarterbacks he's worked with that have moved on to the NFL. He said, the thing that I think he understands, you haven't done it yet. He will reach his poten potential, in my opinion, and he is right in the line from an ability standpoint. And in some ways, beyond because of his size, to have an opportunity to have an incredibly successful career as a college quarterback and potentially beyond that. Big words from David Cutcliffe, who has worked with the Mannings, Peyton, and Eli, and many a quarterback throughout his time with the Duke Blue Devils. So that is definitely stating a lot and a lot of positives coming from that. So a big respect for that, you know, coming from your head coach. I mean, if he's saying those type of words about you, you got to take those, take those and appreciate those. But again, he's got to work hard and get after it and has to show that he's going to reach that potential. And that's what David Cutcliffe said. Listen, I believe he can do it, but he has to want to do it. He has to show me he can do it. He has to get after it. And that makes a lot of sense because we all have potential. But essentially, what we do with our lives, what we do with our potential, either reaps a benefit or it shows a loss. And who would want to be the latter? Brian Fields, I asked him about the secondary of Duke, and I said, you know, some of these guys aren't household names, but who do you believe will become a household name? And he said, yes, yeah, so we had a lot of guys that, I have seen, that have seen some playing time. Jeremy McDuffie, Jordan Hayes, Dylan Singleton, just to mention a few. Mark Gilbert as well. Young guys, extremely talented, more talented than I know I was coming in. Big words to say, listen, I wasn't as talented as the guys I'm playing with at Duke now. And he said, I'm sure Breon and Devon would venture to say the same thing. He talks about the guys maturing. They were young, and they got some great experience last season. They've worked hard. They've really embraced their roles on the team, stepping into starter roles and stepping into roles as leaders on the defense, and he's excited to see how they contribute. So look out for the potential upcoming household names of Jeremy McDuffie, Jordan Hayes, Dylan Singleton, Mark Gilbert, and potentially Brian Fields himself, as he didn't give himself any credit, but I'll give him some credit as Duke moves forward in the secondary. And then to Daniel Jones, who you just heard from most recently, and what his thoughts are on working with a guy like David Cutcliffe, on what David Cutcliffe does for your game as a quarterback, because as I said, David has worked with very, very successful quarterbacks. He's worked with the Mannings. He's somebody who knows the position very, very well, knows how to teach it, and obviously knows how to get the best out of you. So that's in, in and of itself is a great experience opportunity for guys like Daniel Jones 
and any quarterback who has come through Duke or will be coming through Duke. So it definitely says a lot about the opportunity that you get by going there. And Daniel Jones said, if you don't know exactly the X's and O's of the game, you can get an idea that Coach Cut is as good as it gets with that and the fundamentals and technical aspect of playing the position. He's second to none, and that's a huge advantage for me. As a young quarterback, I'd say more than anything, his support and confidence in me with his background and what he's done in my career was helpful for me as a young quarterback. So that's a big part of his progression. So he said, yeah, listen, X's and O's, there's nobody better. Fundamentals and technical aspect, second to none. But the support and confidence he had in me as a young quarterback goes a long way. And I think that that's something that goes understated because I've talked about it before, and even in the pros, when you change a coaching staff and you change the quarterback's coach, if there was a quarterback's coach that the quarterback had a really good relationship with, he was really comfortable with, he felt like he could be himself with, then you have success at the quarterback position. Even in struggles, you can have success at the quarterback position when there's trust and there's faith. But if there's somebody that doesn't believe in you, hands you the ball but doesn't know what you're going to do with it, and is concerned about how you're going to handle the position, if they're timid, you're timid, and that makes the whole team timid, which eventually leads to mistakes. So the belief that David Cutcliffe has had in Daniel Jones as a young quarterback is what Daniel is saying has kind of changed the game for him. Helped him out, moved him forward, and gotten him in a position where, hey, if coach believes in me, then yeah, you know what? I can go out there and I can do this and I can get it done. And respect to Coach Cut for doing that. And also respect to Daniel Jones for being somebody that he felt like he could do that with. Coming up next, before we take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com, backslash WakeUpCallDT, I want to get into my conversations with the Syracuse rival Pitt Panthers. In today's show, we are going through the ACC Coastal Division and the direct responses from coaches and players that I spoke with on every single team inside of the ACC Coastal Division and what their thoughts are on the upcoming season. We're going to start things off with Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of the Pitt Panthers, and what he can say about quarterback Max Brown, what he can be for the team coming in as a transfer, and the quarterback position overall as they look to move forward without Nathan Peterman. Uh, transfer from the University of 
that coming once again from Pat Narduzzi, Pitt Panthers head coach, and over to his cornerback, who is Avante Maddox on today's show. Avante Maddox and what he has to say about this team. Obviously, everybody knows they played a basketball game against Syracuse at the end of the season. Being a part of the secondary, how he can use the adversity on defense last season in games like that as a motivation for this season. That's what Avante had to say. From the offensive side, or pardon me, from the defensive side to the offense to take a look at the offensive side of the ball for the Pitt Panthers. Offensive tackle Brian O'Neill, his versatility of playing right tackle as well as left tackle. His thoughts on the Pitt O-line this season as a whole and how he would define the line. This is what Brian O'Neill had to say about the Pitt Panthers offensive line. We have something new for you, our new Carvalite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvalite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady. Com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me 
Buy a house, find the right place. Could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, covering the ACC Coastal Division, hearing from the coaches, those of you that have watched the videos from my ACC kickoff coverage, thank you so much for doing that. And for those of you that like to listen in, this is your opportunity to hear from the coaches and the players as I group in each of the teams with the coaches and their respective players. You've heard from the Virginia Cavaliers with head coach Bronco Mendenhall, as well as safety Quinn Blanding and quarterback Kurt Benkert. You also heard from Duke Blue Devils head coach David Cutcliffe and his cornerback Brian Fields, as well as quarterback Daniel Jones. You also just heard from Pat Narduzzi, Pitt Panthers head coach, as well as his cornerback Avante Maddox and offensive tackle Brian O'Neill. To break down a little bit of what they had to say, I want to get into, first and foremost, Pat Narduzzi and what some of his words were in this conversation that I had with him that I definitely appreciate the opportunity of having and speaking with him on Max Brown, the quarterback situation, and kind of what he sees developing from that as they have to move on to a new quarterback, which is never something easy to do. A lot of teams are doing it right now, inside of the ACC and you know with the tran with transfers transferring with basketball football it's happening so I could do an entire show on it it's happening so much right now so many guys want to get another opportunity another crack at it before they try for the NFL or the NBA and whatnot it is running rampant in collegiate sports when it comes to football and basketball that I have seen and, you know, to me, there's got to be some cap on it. There's got to be something they can do about it just because of the fact that it's getting a little bit excessive. But, you know, Max Brown, he has transferred to into Pitt. And, you know, when you get a transfer that comes in, you're hoping for the opportunity to obviously blossom in your favor and to have the chance of reaping the benefits of it. But having people transfer in and out is, is a very tough situation. He came from the University of Southern Cal, USC, and he is with the Pitt Panthers for this season. And going back to what Coach had to say about Max Brown as well as the quarterback position heading into the fall, 
He said, first of all, Sean Watson, our new quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, has done a great job of identifying their strengths and weaknesses of that quarterback group. He's happy with the depth. He said, two years ago when I first took over at the University of Pittsburgh, that, that was not, there was not a healthy quarterback room. So the depth with Max Brown to Ben DiNucci, who's gotten better every day, and through the summer as well as Thomas McVitie, he said, and the incoming freshman Kenny Pickett, it's a good quarterback room. He gave credit to Sean once again, Sean Watson, the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, on being positive and just working to make things better. He said, I don't know if there's a better quarterback developer than Sean Watson. Just in my three years there when I watch development, I watch individual drills as a head coach. The little things he teaches are incredible, and the best he's seen in three springs as the head football coach, which has made him impressed with Sean Watson. So I asked him about Max Brown and the quarterbacks, but nobody came out of that better than Sean Watson as far as you know accolades and, and what coach thinks of him. Pat Narduzzi giving him a huge, huge, huge pat on the back and belief in him which as an assistant coach, when you hear words like that from your head coach, you could do nothing but, you know, do your job better. You know, they say to some people, I was told before, don't, don't ever, uh, I had somebody in my family tell me to, to not, when I was single, they said, listen, when, when you meet a girl, you like a girl, don't compliment her. Because she'll get a big head and then she'll leave you. And I thought to myself, well, I can't change the person that I am. I can't not compliment somebody if I think somebody is beautiful or if I think they're smart or I think they're funny or fun to be around. I was like, I can't, I can't keep that to myself and just not share that. And, then, you know, I said, that's not, <clears throat> that's not nice. And, you know, especially if this person doesn't know what you think of them and whatnot. And, you know, Pat Narduzzi, I respect him because I refuse to change. And, he went out there and said, listen, you didn't even ask me about Sean Watson, but you asked me about the quarterback room, and in my quarterback room, this is my leader, Sean Watson, and I don't think anybody's done it better. So, yeah, I think that the room that we have is deep, but at the same time, I think we have the right guy teaching them, and at the end of the day, if any, you know, you can have talent on a team, but there are also coaches that can make players turn into something special when you thought that there was no talent there. So... You know, I give him a lot of credit for the work that, uh, you know, that he's putting together when he gets those accolades from Pat Narduzzi. <clears throat> they're not coming lightly, and they're not coming from somebody whose opinion doesn't matter. It's coming from an opinion of a coach who's obviously worked hard and had some, some success and found some ways to navigate through being in the ACC, which, as Syracuse can tell you, is not an easy thing to do. Keeping with the Pitt Panthers and over to Avante Maddox and what he had to say, in his response to me, adversity on defense, how he can use that as motivation for this year. He said, it's great motivation. It's a learning lesson. And he said, you can learn about having a short memory and how to grow as a team, how to go out and compete the next play no matter what happens. I feel like we'll be able to do that in 2017. And he's looking forward to it. So short and sweet, but essentially said, listen, we have to have a short memory. We can't sit back and remember that Syracuse game because it's not a game to remember. They won the game, but they didn't win the game in a good way. They didn't win the game. I mean, a win is a win is a win, some coaches will tell you. And then other coaches will say that's probably the ugliest win that Pat Narduzzi's ever had as a coach or one of the top three. So Avante said, listen, short memory, we move on.
Brian O'Neill, offensive tackle for the Pitt Panthers, to go back to some of the things he said to me. I think we have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things, guys who can play all over. All of our inside guys can play center guard, right or left guard. I think I can play right tackle, left tackle. If there's a need for me at guard, I'll play there. That's one of the things Coach Peterson has taught us really well is versatility. And I think that that's huge, being versatile. I think that Joe Adam, who used to be the offensive line coach at Syracuse, who's now the head coach at St. Anselm, I believe that as an offensive line coach, he was good at teaching versatility. And I think that he found success in teaching versatility. I think Greg Atkins, before Joe Adam at Syracuse, was good at teaching versatility and getting guys who could be versatile. He said being able to play multiple positions is a byproduct of learning conceptually. And we learn our offense and our plays conceptually, whether it's different concepts, but not just knowing your position, knowing everyone else and having an increased knowledge base. So he said versatility and being able to play multiple positions is a byproduct of learning about the offense and the offensive line conceptually and not just the position that you're at, but the concept, the plan, the makeup of how they want their line to be. So another credit to the coach and another credit to a different coach, Coach Peterson, for this one. So a lot of respect going out to the coaching staff of this team and something that the coaches got to sit back and feel good about knowing that their players and their head coach are feeling that what they're teaching and how they're teaching is breeding success in Pittsburgh, who, like I said, has done some good things in a coastal division that's wide open, and it'll be interesting to see how they react this year and if they continue to improve. And if that defense improves and the offense can continue to keep things going and keep scoring, they've outscored teams like North Carolina, who's not a team to just win on the schedule and not go back and say, hey, we beat North Carolina. So, in my opinion, if the defense gets better at Pittsburgh, this is a dangerous team because they're usually good at defense or good at offense. But if they can do both on top of what they did last year, you're looking at a team that's not only going back to a bowl game, but a team that's going to be pretty dangerous to play as they move forward. And moving forward into Miami, another old rival of Syracuse. They will finally play them again this year. They're the one rotator in the ACC for the Coastal Division. Syracuse will play them on my birthday on Saturday, October 21st, down in Miami. And Syracuse plays Miami once every six years. And they will not play Miami back in Miami until 12 years from now because Six years after, they'll play in the Dome, and then six years after that, they'll play in Miami. So <clears throat> it's a rarity. I don't like it. I would love to bring back the rivalry of Miami. Some teams have gotten away with playing more in-conference teams and building rivalries back up again by putting them on their non-conference schedule because it's not a conference game they have to play. So, you know, if Syracuse gets better, I would definitely venture to say to put Miami on the schedule because Miami in the Dome was always a huge game for fans. At least in my opinion, it was a big game, and Miami was pretty damn good back then. To Mark Richt, who is trying to get trying to right the ship in Miami after coming from Georgia, in his second season with the team, with the guys he has at quarterback, how he thinks spring went, and his anticipation for fall camp.
not this spring or the spring prior to the event, about a year and a half of uh, opportunities to show what they can do. And quite frankly, I'm very comfortable with both of them and their knowledge of the game and of our system and being able to get in the right play, the right protection, and change the, you know, uh, a play from a run to a pass or vice versa. I mean, but they can do that. They've got plenty of arm strength, they've got some athleticism, they've got some toughness about them. And we're just going to see who can become the most consistent in the, in the group at large. And then you've got two true freshmen, Katie Weldon, and then you've got the person there. And both of those guys can move well, they can throw well, they're, they're smart, they're tough. Um, at least they were in high school. We'll find out you know, what they can do when we start practicing. And I think it's important now that we just got to get them out there and, and uh, get them reps. When we scrimmage, I want to see how, you know, who can handle the pressure of that job. So, um, you know, I, need, I need a guy I can trust. Can you hit your target? Can you make good decisions? Can you handle the pressure of being a starting quarterback at Miami? Those are the things that i got to find out. And the last one, I won't know until I actually become the starting quarterback. Coach, with David and Joku moving forward to the NFL, just what you can say about the personnel at the tight end position and some of those guys that are sticking out at this point. Well, Chris Herndon, I've got a lot of faith in he's, I think he's one of the better tight ends I've been around. Um, very physical at the point of attack, good route runner, good ball skills. Probably runs a 4'6 at 255 pounds. Um, he's very smart. And uh, he, of all of our players, has to adjust more than anybody we have. Uh, we'll call certain plays and formations, and he's got to know, he's got to lose the most. And has to understand where to be, because if we want to go at the temple that we want to go at, we don't want to have to tell him exactly where to line up. He's got to understand the play, and when he hears the play, he's got to know where to go after he hears the play. And uh, we put a lot of burden on the tight end position to do that. He does it extremely well. Behind him, we're, uh, we're young, we're inexperienced, and I don't know if we're ready to play championship football. Uh, there's some time between now and then where Michael and Junior can get there. Uh, you know, Glenn's a young freshman coming in. But, you know, uh, I'd be very concerned if something happened to Chris, I can tell you that. That coming once again from Mark Richt, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, who will face Syracuse once again on my birthday this year on October 21st in Miami to try and reinstate the rivalry, but you won't see it again for another six years in the rotation. So, Syracuse, and for those that don't know, I mean, if you're paying close enough attention to the schedule, you see it, but for those that don't know, every ACC team plays everybody in their division once, right? So there's seven teams in each division, 14 teams overall. So you're going to play six games inside your division because you obviously are not playing yourself. So you're going to play everybody in your division once. That's six games. Then you have one permanent rival on the other side. So for Syracuse, that's Pittsburgh. They play them who are in the Coastal Division, even though Syracuse is in the Atlantic, every single year. Then they have one rotator. So every year that game changes. So Syracuse is always going to play Pittsburgh, Boston College, NC State, Florida State, Clemson, Wake Forest. Going to play them all. Boston College, if I didn't mention, and Louisville, pardon me. So they're going to play all of those games every year no matter what. 
And then they'll play Virginia one year. They'll play Miami one year. They'll play Virginia Tech. They'll play North Carolina. They'll play Duke. They'll, so on and so forth. So that's the rotator. Miami's part of the rotation. I would say, and I think Syracuse fans would love this, if they didn't have to play Clemson and Florida State every single year and they could throw Miami into that game, now you have a rival who's not a bad team and potentially getting better as a team, but now you alleviate from having to play a national champion contender every single year, and at the same time, you give yourself an opportunity to reinstate a rivalry. So I think it's a win-win for Syracuse, but obviously Syracuse would be getting rid of a good game against a good team. But Miami is a strong team. I I believe they're getting stronger. I believe they're getting better. I don't think that Miami is just going to kind of like fly under the radar forever. I think Miami's coming back. But I know that it's best-case scenario for Syracuse to be like, hey, every other year play Clemson, every other year play Florida State. And that, or I mean, you can do it with Florida State because they're Florida teams. Say, even though Florida State's in your division, Miami's your longtime rival from the Big East. So, how about this? Every other year, switch. So, this year, play Miami. Next year, play Florida State. Because this year, Syracuse is going to play in Florida State, getting a week off, then playing Miami. That's insanity. They're going to be playing two extremely tough schedule, two extremely tough teams. Back-to-back on their schedule, thank goodness with a break in between for Syracuse's sake, but you're playing two very difficult teams, both in the state of Florida, back-to-back with that game. And like I said, the week in the middle is going to be helpful, but nevertheless, Florida State and Miami in the same season seems a little bit much, at least for this Syracuse team as they grow. So it would be good, in my opinion, to rotate Miami in every other year and not every six years if you can make that happen. Mark Walton, how would you describe the backfield for Miami this season, including himself and other running backs? This is what Mark had to say. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you could choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalwear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946. Six to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here in the second hour of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Very happy to have you here with me on the show here on July 26th. And every single time that you come in and listen into the show, truly appreciate it. You can catch the show all the time whenever you want to listen to it by going to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com backslash mobile, M-O-B-I-L-E, and downloading the free app there. You can also go to mixlr, where you're at right now, .com backslash wakeupcalldt, listen to the live broadcast, and listen to the archive of every single live show. I think there's over 300 shows on there now. You can listen to those as well at your leisure. And, of course, you can always go to wakeupcalldt.com and be a part of the show in every way, shape, and form in that respect. So I thank everybody who is a part of the show, and I thank you for taking the time to listen in, especially throughout the summer, because I know summer gets busy, and I know that you're on vacation and doing things and whatnot, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen in to today's show and listen in throughout the season, no matter what season it is, winter, spring, summer, and fall. I thank you for listening in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Winter, spring, summer, and fall, I like that you listen to Wake Up Call. I might use that. It rhymes. I like it. Coming up next here is going to be Georgia Tech, but before we go there, we have to break down what Miami had to say here on the show. So I want to start with Mark Richt describing the quarterback position, saying that it's wide open. He said, we got two veteran players in Malik Rozier and Evan Sheriffs. He said, both of these guys have had a ton of reps. They've been getting a lot of reps on campus, not this spring, but the spring prior. They've had a year and a half of opportunities to show what they can do. He's comfortable with both of them, their knowledge of the system, and being able to get in the right play, the right protection, or changing a play from a run to a pass or vice versa. They've got plenty of arm strength, athleticism, toughness, and they're going to see who can become the most consistent in the group at large. He said, then you have two freshmen, Cade Weldon and Nikozi Perry. Both of those guys can move well, they throw well, they're smart, they're tough. At least they were in high school. We'll find out what they can do when we start practicing. So, you know, and, I, and it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, a good note there in what he had to say about that. I mean, listen, he said, listen, they're good. They looked good, but I was also watching them when they were not playing for me. I was watching them when they were playing in high school. We'll see how we do. He said, when we scrimmage, I want to see who can handle the pressure of the job. I need a guy I can trust. Can you hit your target? Can you make good decisions? Can you handle the pressure of being the starting quarterback in Miami? Those are the things i got to find out. The last one I won't know until they actually become the starting quarterback. I thought that this was a very thorough, well-thought-out question. And that's a good thing. I mean, that's the thing about a coach who knows what the heck he's talking about or she's talking about. 
is when you can ask a coach a question that they don't know they're getting. None of these coaches know what I'm going to ask them. Nothing's been described or brought to them beforehand. This isn't the DNC. Ha, <laughs> kidding. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> I did throw it in there. But, you know, this... And, and I don't care who you vote for. I was just making a joke because obviously that's in the news right now. So please don't tell me that I don't like the Democratic Party because I literally vote. I vote Democratic, Republican, Independent, Green Party. I vote for literally whoever I think is the best candidate every single year. Whoever I think is the best. And if people don't like that, I don't really care. It's my vote. I vote for who I think is the best candidate. I don't vote party blindly. I don't think that one party has it all right. I think if we want a good country to be run well then what you have to do is essentially vote for multiple parties because you need differences of opinion. Because I'm hoping that if you got one person on one side of the spectrum and one person on the other side of the spectrum, then maybe some way, shape, or form they could compromise, which I know they don't sometimes. But if you got one person saying the sky's blue and another person saying the sky's a little bit off gray, hopefully you can come together and say it's grayish blue. That's what the country needs. The country needs people to come together and find common ground. And, you know, I don't think you do that by having everybody that's on the same side. I think you do it from a mixture of everyone. Because aren't we that as, as America? Are we not a mixture of everything? Are we not German, Polish, Irish, Spanish, Mexican, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Italian, I think I said Irish, English, Welsh, African, Asian, so on and so forth. So why not have a mixture in our government to make things get done right for once? I'm just saying. Let's do things right the first time. How about that? How about let's do things right anytime? At this point, I would take any right time that we do something right. So hopefully we can get that going here. But I do like, you know, going back to Coach Mark Richt of the Miami Hurricanes, I like what he said and I like how he said it because... Everything he's looking for is what you should look for as a coach. But he said, the last one, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know if you can handle being my starting quarterback until I throw you in a game and you're my starting quarterback. But guess what? I got three other guys, and I'm hoping you all compete like crazy because if you all compete well and you make this really difficult for me, then I know that if the person that I throw in there can't handle it, the next man up can. And speaking of the next man up, David Njoku, I asked him about this. David Njoku, who I, who I think might be a steal if Cleveland can get figure out their quarterback situation. I think David Njoku from Miami as a tight end could be a big steal in the offense for the Cleveland Browns. I asked him what he thought about not having David Njoku and where he goes from here. Chris Herndon, he said, I got a lot of faith in. Behind him, he said, we're young, we're inexperienced. I don't know if we're ready to play championship football. There's some time between now and then where Michael Irvin Jr. can get there and Polendi is a young freshman coming in. But I'm very, I'd be very concerned if something happened to Chris. A.K.A., Chris Herndon's our guy. Let's hope that he stays healthy. So that's a big note from the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes saying, I need my guy to stay healthy, Chris Herndon, and then we'll go from there. Not that he doesn't care about these other guys. Not that he doesn't think that they're capable. I mean, he obviously recruited and brought some of these guys in here as he's heading into his second season. But... When push comes to shove, he has somebody he believes in. He has somebody he thinks is going to handle the position well. And he wants that person to stay healthy so he doesn't have to look any farther than that. But if he has to look farther, he's got a couple guys coming in like Michael Irvin Jr. 
heading over to Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora in my ACC Coastal Division breakdown heading into the 2017-18 season. Let's not call it a breakdown. The Coastal, the ACC Coastal Division tutorial. Or the virtual handbook to, you know, going into the season. Because I asked each of these coaches and players questions, not only for me, but for you, to share on the show. So you don't know just Syracuse, or just North Carolina, or just Pittsburgh, or just Georgia Tech, but that you got a feel for the entire climate of the ACC, which is the same thing I did with the American Athletic Conference. So we're going to start off with Paul Johnson. And with Paul, we're going to start with being in his 10th year at Georgia Tech. He came up to the podium said, I'm going into my 10th year. I said, okay, what have you seen change in the ACC in 10 years? What can you say with teams like Syracuse and Pitt and Louisville and whatnot coming in? How has the ACC changed over 10 years? Well, I don't think there's any question that the league is much better today than it was the day that I came into the league 10 years ago. Uh, I think that uh, several of the programs have made a huge commitment, uh, you know, both financially and through other levels of support to try to get to the top level. And, uh, and they've achieved that. And if you, you look, I don't care what uh, metric you would want to measure it by, whether it's head-to-head against other Power Five, uh, two of the last four national championships, the bowl record, the record against the SEC, I mean, whatever you want to measure it by, I think you can make a pretty good case that right now the ACC is probably the premier league in the country, or has been for the last couple of years anyway. So uh, it's, it's drastically better, and I think it's forced the other programs to kind of come along. And I was joking with somebody earlier, I said when I first came into the league, I'd go into the spring meetings or I'd go to one of these things and you look around the room to the coaches and I'd think, okay, that's one we can win and that's one we can win. Now they're probably looking at me. So uh, there are no easy games. Uh, the other thing is kind of transition. Um, you know, I think the, the divisions, when I first came into the league 10 years ago, it was kind of flipped a little bit on the national level. Coastal had the higher-ranked teams, and, and they were the, the teams that came down for the last couple of years is spending Atlanta. But I think there's good balance in the league. If you look with the two divisions, head-to-head, uh, -head, I think it's, it's probably pretty close to the one loss. In fact, the Coastal may, be, may have a little bit of an advantage. And uh, I think there's good teams all up and down through the league. That coming from Paul Johnson, the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and heading over to the defensive side of the ball for Georgia Tech and defensive end Keyshawn Freeman, how him and fellow Georgia Tech defensive end Antonio Simmons have elevated each other's games, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, so um, this offseason, you know, um, for the longest I've been kind of, you know, kind of the people that kind of spoke up and, you know, been a leader. I kind of stood back and kind of let them develop themselves more as a leader on our defensive front and on our defense and on our team, you know. Um, he's a very talented player, you know, and he proved that last year being so productive with sacks, with hurry up, and, um, you know, I'm excited to finally be starting with him and him really close to like brothers, and um, we prepare all the time with each other. Um, we want to the um, indoor to just really work on um, hand speed, you know, our feet, just making sure that we're doing the small things right so we can go to camp and, you know, those things we just be really simple, really simple pick up coach, you know, coach the younger guys. That coming once again from Keyshawn Freeman and heading to the offensive side of the ball 
for Georgia Tech. This is going to be short and sweet. Wide receiver Ricky June, I said to him, why go to Georgia Tech to play wide receiver? Because the question from the outside looking in is, well, you know, this is an option offense that focuses on having multiple running backs. There's so many different running backs that are on this team. I mean, in any given game, you can see nine, nine guys touch the ball to run the ball, including the quarterback, wide receivers, and whatnot. So I said, why does a wide receiver go there to Georgia Tech? Because obviously he made the decision, and it was the right decision for him. But for people that might be looking at it saying, well, you know, there's other places for a wide receiver to go and maybe get some more touches, some more opportunities. Why Georgia Tech? Why did it feel like the right place? This is what Ricky had to say. That coming once again from Ricky June, wide receiver. I told you it was short and sweet. Wide receiver of Georgia Tech. And to break down what these gentlemen just shared here with the show, I want to start first and foremost with Paul Johnson and what Paul Johnson had to say about this team and, and how things have changed in a decade at Georgia Tech, what he's seen about the conference, how it's grown, changed divisions, teams coming in. And he said, well, I don't think there's any question that the league is much better today than it was the day that I came into the league 10 years ago. I think several of the programs have made a huge commitment, both financially and through other levels of support, to try to get to top level, and they've achieved it. And if you look, I don't care what metric you would want to measure it by, whether it's head-to-head -head against other Power Five, two of the last four national championships, bull record, record against the SEC, whatever it is, he said ACC is probably the premier league in the country, or it has been the last couple of years anyways. He said it's drastically, and, and this is one of the things that he said that I thought was pretty interesting. He said it's drastically better, and it's forced other programs to come along. He said he was joking with somebody that he would go into spring meetings before and look around the room at the coaches and say, that one we can win, that one we can win, we, and, and now they're probably looking at Georgia Tech saying, now they're the team we can beat. So, you know what, this humble moment of Paul Johnson saying, hey, back in the day, when I'm going over my decade at Georgia Tech, I used to walk into meetings and go, we could beat that team and that team and that team. And he said, now there's probably a coach in the ACC looking at me from across the table going, we could beat Georgia Tech. That's a win on our schedule and that team and that team. He said, there's no easy games. The divisions, when he first came into the league, he said it kind of flipped a little bit on the national level. Coastal had the higher ranked teams. And now for the last couple of years, it's been the Atlantic. He said there's good balance in the league. And if you look at the two divisions head-to-head, -head, it's pretty close, the one-loss record. He said the Coastal may have a little bit of an advantage, and he thinks that there's good teams up and down the league. So some big words coming from Paul Johnson. And something interesting that he brought up, because I know Syracuse fans, you know, we've discussed it. You've said, why don't, why don't they change divisions, right? Why doesn't Syracuse change divisions, or why don't they mix up the divisions where it's a little bit more fair for a team like Syracuse that struggled so much lately. And, you know, I spoke with the commissioner about this, and his answer to me was, he was like, Dan, listen, he said the same thing that Paul Johnson said going off of that. He was like, when it comes to this 
ACC, Coastal Division, and Atlantic Division, you see the Atlantic now in the, in, the, in the today, in the here and now. And he said, when you see it in the here and now, you see that this Coastal Division, in your opinion, may not be where the Atlantic Division is. But he's like, you look back a few years, and people were complaining that the Coastal was too jam-packed. There were too many teams there, and we needed to change up the divisions at that point. So, you know, he believes that, you know, he said essentially, you know, things could even out. Things could right their ship like they did in the past, but, you know, I just found that interesting that Paul Johnson brought that up, as well as, you know, the head of everything with the commissioner of the ACC, John Swafford, with him making a comment of the fact that, you know, we see in present day the Atlantic Division with Clemson and Florida State and an upcoming Louisville and say, this too much. But back in the day, people were looking at the Coastal saying, this is too much. So, I just find that very interesting that the perspective of Syracuse fans is obviously going to be different than the perspective of, of other fans of other ACC teams across the country, but there's that notion of, okay, so we switch divisions, and then what happens when the pendulum swings again, how do we handle that? You know, And in the next five to ten years, could it be that the Coastal Division becomes more of a threat. I think it's hard for anybody to believe that right now, but there was a day where Florida State wasn't that great of a team, and my buddy Evan can tell you that much. So there were times where these teams that we're seeing today were not the teams that we're seeing today. They weren't the caliber that we're seeing today. They weren't in the positions that they're in right now and what we're seeing today. They, weren't, they just weren't there. It just wasn't happening. So, you know, and there's good coaches on the other side. I mean, for goodness sakes, Larry Fedora with North Carolina is on the other side. You got Pat Narduzzi, who's done a pretty good job navigating through the ACC. You got Miami, who's bound to determine to come back. Georgia Tech, who has been good and had prowess not that long ago inside of the ACC and inside of the Coastal Division. So there's a, And Duke has had their moments where they've come up. And Virginia Tech went to the ACC championship game in Justin Fuente's first year last year. And then you got a team like Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall that if, God forbid, they and that guy, you don't want to say God forbid, but if they get good, look at the rest of the conference. How does the rest of the conference, how does the rest of the division of the Coastal handle if Virginia wins five, six, seven games? If they win five, six games, they're beating somebody, right? They win six or seven, they're beating people inside the Coastal. So, you know, with that being said, I just find it very interesting that, you know, I can argue that Syracuse's division is way too difficult to navigate through for a Syracuse team that's trying to get back on top of things instead of being bowled over. But at the same time, you can go back to history, as Paul Johnson did and John Swafford did with me, and said, listen, you can argue the other point and say, you know, this is happening to the Atlantic Division now, but it already happened to the Coastal, and we didn't break up the Coastal, so why are we going to break up the Atlantic? So it makes sense. Moving on to Keyshawn Freeman, defensive end, even though I know it's... Now, if, if we go another 10 years... And Syracuse is not beating Clemson, Florida State. The thing is, it's not just Syracuse not beating Clemson or Florida State. It's who can beat Clemson and Florida State. Who? They lose zero to two games a year. So, 
if they make it to the college football playoff and they make it to the championship game, right, that means, and they win the ACC championship. So you win the ACC championship and you win the first college football playoff game in the semis. So that's two victories. And let's say, so you got a chance to win the championship. So you're playing 12 games in the regular season, plus the ACC championship, plus if you make it to the championship game, you're playing 15 games. Playing 15 games. If these teams are going 13 and 2, 15 and 0, 14 and 1, who's beating them? Who's beating them? One team, two teams. So if that continues to happen, then you know that could be a discussion. But as of right now, it's difficult. It stinks. If you're a Syracuse fan, it stinks with Wake Forest making strides that it's hard to break through that. It's hard for Louisville when they kind of puttered out at the end of the season. So that's difficult in Boston College, who made it to a bowl game, but still only won two games inside of the ACC. You know, these, this is a very, very tough Atlantic division. But again, the Coastal Division was tough too. And so we look at it now. You know, fans in Syracuse that are listening into the show, you guys look at it, men, women, and children that are listening in, you look at this and say, well, Pittsburgh got the better shake out of this thing. Because right now they did. But what if Virginia Tech stays good, Virginia gets better, Miami gets better, North Carolina continues to push forward, Georgia Tech goes back to what they used to be, and Duke wins more than four or five games a season, then what? Then all of a sudden we're talking about two completely difficult divisions, or maybe the Coastal passes the Atlantic. So the discussion can go on and on and on because history has shown that the pendulum swings, but right now it's very hard to live in the present and say, I don't care about the past. These games are way too hard. So Keyshawn Freeman, going back to Georgia Tech, I asked him about his relationship with Antonio Simmons as fellow defensive ends and how they push each other. And he said he's been one of the people that spoke up has become a, and become a leader. He stood back and let Antonio Simmons develop himself more as a leader on our defensive front. And on our defense as a team, he said Simmons is a talented player. He proved that last year by being productive with sacks, hurry-ups, and he's excited to be starting with him. They're, pl- they're very close. We're like brothers. We prepare all the time with each other. We've been going to the indoor to just really work on hand speed, feet, making sure we're doing the small things, and that they can help coach coach the younger guys. So the focus on Georgia Tech is, hey, they run a pretty good option that's not as good as Navy. Or they run a pretty good option that's almost as good or just as good as Navy. But very rarely do you hear about the defense, and very rarely do you hear about the wide receivers. So the defensive side of it for Keyshawn Freeman, they're trying to have a better defensive stance against the pass and against the run to prove that they are a force to be reckoned with all over the field because what's what's the use of having a good triple option if you can't stop a team from scoring. And that's happened to Georgia Tech recently where they have a good offense, but they've struggled defensively to shut down the offense that's on the other side of them, and that's not going to help them out in the long run. So Keyshawn Freeman and Antonio Simmons, somebody, two guys to look to in this upcoming season for the ACC. And then to Ricky June, I asked him, you know, why? Why come to play in this offense when it's not built for the pass, it's built more for the run? He said, well, you can get a lot of one-on-one coverages in this offense. That's a receiver's dream. So you get one-on-one coverage. If you know you're getting one-on-one coverage, then why not just come here 
and get one-on-one -on -one coverage the whole game. He said one-on-one -on -one coverage in response to my question five times. Five times in two sentences. So basically, why should a wide receiver go to Georgia Tech? One-on-one -on -one coverage. One-on-one -on -one coverage, one-on-one -on -one coverage, one-on-one -on -one coverage. Hey, guess what? You want one-on-one -on -one coverage? You go to Georgia Tech. Because the truth of the matter is, he's right. There's no focus on the... There's, there's not a lot of focus in scheming against the pass, which leaves receivers open to obviously excel and get things done and be in a prominent place out there. Because, listen, if you're running around with the ball and Justin Thomas knew how to sling it, even though he's a shorter quarterback that didn't get a ton of respect, in my opinion, or maybe he got more than I thought he got, but nationally, you didn't hear about him a ton. Justin Thomas went out there, and if he needed to sling the ball, he slung the ball. Guys are going to be open. If you're a good wide receiver and you know how to run your routes and break coverage, then guess what? You're going to be in a good position because something's going to break down, something's going to happen, and if your team is known for not run, run, pass, or pass, pass, run, if they're just known for run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass, then obviously they're not prepared for you out there, they're not thinking about you out there, and they're considering that you're more of a blocking wide receiver than anything else, so that plays into your favor and it plays into your game. So from the outside looking in, why should a receiver go to Georgia Tech? A lot of people think that's crazy. But that's why I wanted Ricky to answer the question. One-on-one -on -one coverage. Guess what? Now all of a sudden, Georgia Tech sounds enticing to me at least. So I thought it was really cool to have an interesting take on, on, the, on why he went because it makes perfect sense. And yet I feel like the discussion is always why are receivers going to Georgia Tech. North Carolina is up next. Head coach Larry Fedora is up first. DeAndre Smith, former Syracuse running backs coach under Scott Schaefer, was hired as a new running backs coach in North Carolina. And I had the opportunity to ask Larry Fedora why he chose DeAndre Smith. Yeah, DeAndre and, uh, and, and Chris both played together in college and good friends and been good friends for many years ever since. And every time that I've had an opportunity uh, at that position, you know, Cats pushed hard for him. He really pushed hard for him. This says this coach is really the perfect fit. Just need to bring him in and do it. And we did. And once I met him, I met his, uh, you know, he's got this great personality. You can tell that he can recruit just because of his personality and his work ethic. Uh, and brought him in there, and he's been a great addition to our family. I mean, his, his family, our family, I mean, just merged together, and he's done a great job with our guys in the spring. And he's worked with all new guys. You know, we, we don't have a guy that's, Probably uh, had uh, 100 yards with the carries uh, on the football team at this time. So he's got to really make an impact on this football team. That coming from Larry Fedora, head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are without quarterback Mitch Trubisky, who are without running back Elijah Hood. New running back room, and that's what Larry Fedora just said. Listen, DeAndre Smith has an opportunity to make an impression on me and the team because he's got a whole new room of running backs. He's got a bunch of guys that he's got to get going and get ready for this season. And I get to see what he can do in developing our next running back and next running backs. So, with that being said, the team might lean a little bit on the defense this season. That's been a notion going into the 2017 season. So I asked cornerback MJ Stewart if the offense was to lean on the defense a little bit more. How does he respond to that opportunity? I would consider it an honor that the team is uh, a lot of defense this year. Uh, to get it back in front of the team, it's, it's like I said, it's an honor. And so we're going to take that head on and use that as motivation defensively uh, to show people 
that coming from MJ Stewart once again of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And on the offensive side of the ball, before we take our next fast break on the show, Bentley Spain, offensive tackle of the North Carolina Tar Heels. I spoke with him on Rodgers and Dillard, two transfers coming into the O-line this season. Just what he can say about bringing in transfers and what he thinks about the makeup of the offensive line. You'll hear from Bentley Spain, then a fast break to hear from the great companies we work with all throughout central upstate New York. And then I will break down what North Carolina had to say and head into Virginia Tech. So, before all that happens, Bentley Spain, what he thinks about Rodgers, Dillard, transfers coming into the O-line and the O-line as a whole. I think the great thing about our O-line is that we're a group of guys that really isn't competitive with each other. We just want each other to do well and be successful units. So, we welcome these guys with open arms and we're excited to have them. And all it does is build more depth on our O-line, which is all it does. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With fan hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on fanhands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear fan hands. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime.
Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT Here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 21... 21- 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, and the home of the Dan Tortora Special, which is proudly brought to you exclusively at the Market Diner. You can get it. It is a Belgian waffle cut in half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is how we do it at the Market Diner. It's my spin on the breakfast sandwich. It's unique. It's wonderful. It is so, so good. Bacon, egg, and cheese has never been done better than on a Belgian waffle, and right at the Market Diner. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, but nobody does it like the Market Diner. So head over to the Market Diner and have yourself the Dancitora Special Belgian Waffle Cut in Half filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is truly wonderful. 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. So in this morning menu, we've been you've been hearing from the Coastal Division of the ACC, and you just heard from North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora in his thoughts on DeAndre Smith. DeAndre Smith, who is somebody who I got to know very well, have a very good relationship with, coming from Syracuse when he used to be the coach for the running backs here for the Syracuse Orange, and a good running backs coach, a strong running backs coach, and somebody who I think was a loss for Syracuse and him being gone. And I mean, you see Syracuse, how quickly they switched the running backs coach. Mike Hart was here for a half of a millisecond, and then he was gone. So Syracuse didn't get Mike Hart as a recruit and didn't get him as a coach for more than one season. So, you know, definitely you feel the loss of DeAndre Smith even more when something like that happens. I have all the respect in the world for DeAndre. He's a very, very good coach, and I really, truly believe that Syracuse is missing out, but it's the gain now of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I want to go into what Larry Fedora had to say about DeAndre Smith, and so he said, DeAndre and Chris Kaplovich uh, played together in college and were good friends, have been good friends for many years. Every time he's had an opportunity at the position, Caps pushed hard for DeAndre and really pushed hard for him and said, Coach, he's really the perfect fit. Just need to bring him in and interview him. And we did, and once I met him, he's got this great personality. You can tell he can recruit just because of his personality and work ethic which I already knew, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, watching him do it for years at Syracuse, and brought him in there, and he's been a great addition to our family. His family, our family, just merged together. He's done a great job with our guys in the spring. He's working with all the new guys. We don't have a guy that's probably had 100 yards worth of carries on the football team, so he's got he's really got an opportunity to make an imprint on the football team, which is what I was saying before. So, He's got to really make an imprint on this football team. He's got an opportunity to show Larry Fedora what he's made of, what he's capable of, 
and what he's about. I love what Larry said, though. He said, listen, the personality of DeAndre Smith shows me that he can handle this. Who DeAndre is, what DeAndre is about, his personality and his work ethic shows me that he can recruit this team and recruit for this team. And I agree with that wholeheartedly because I've seen it. I know it. I know that DeAndre... You know, I always say to him, I've never seen anybody smile more than he does, except for maybe my grandmother and my grandfather. But, you know, DeAndre is that guy. And I want to be one of those people that's known for that. That whenever you see me, I'm smiling. And not like that smile where you're like, is Dan okay? (laughs) But that smile where, you know, you get to really just look at a person and say, wow, you know, this person's genuinely happy. I could learn something from this person. I should probably hang around this person. I should probably get to know this person because, you know, that's, I mean, those are the type of people you want to be around, that all of us want to be around, are just really happy people, people that bring out the best in you and command the best in you. Listen, there's a lot of good coaches out there. I can't sit here and tell you that there's not a ton of good coaches all over this country. There's coaches that don't have jobs that should have jobs right now. There's many, many, many a talented coach in America, outside of America, so on and so forth and beyond. But what separates certain people, in my opinion, is how they treat people. That's what truly separates you is how you treat people. The reputation that you carry and that is carried for you when you're not even around. And with the reputation of DeAndre, there were pe- there were players and there I mean there were people that were going to Syracuse, parents that had kids going to Syracuse to play football, kids that were playing football at Syracuse, that the loss of DeAndre Smith was a big loss for them. It was a sad loss for them. It was a time where they had to kind of just suck it up and say, all right, you know what, we're going to Syracuse, but it's going to be missing something. DeAndre's not one of those coaches where you say, yeah, he didn't really have a personality. You know, he was a pretty good coach. He commanded me to do this, that, and the other, but I really didn't feel like he cared about me. And I really didn't feel like he took some time with me. I don't feel like he developed me. That wasn't the case with DeAndre. DeAndre was that guy where, you know, if you didn't play, he still wanted you to go out and give your all and commanded the all from you and said, listen, you might be the third string on my depth chart, but you got to come out to practice and you got to show me something. I want to play you. I want to push you out there. I want to give you an opportunity. And not everybody has a good experience. Not everybody is a starting running back. Everybody's going to have their moment. And some people may squander that moment. Some people might use that moment to their advantage. But at the end of the day, DeAndre was somebody who wanted to see people excel. He wanted to build good men. He wanted to bring in highly talented people. And so what separated him? What got him to get people like Mo Neal, who is this huge prospect in the state of North Carolina, to go to Syracuse instead of going to NC State or North Carolina or Duke or Wake Forest or any of those schools. Why? Why would you know? Why not go there? Why not try to go to a lot of those camps and catch Fedora's eye and this, that, and the other? He wanted to go to Syracuse because the family had a great relationship with DeAndre Smith. They believed in DeAndre. They knew what DeAndre was all about, and that to me goes a long way because I know in my life and in my line of work. People say, well, how do you do what you do? Are you scared to do what you do? Are you scared to be on your own? And I said to him, I said, listen, I'm not scared. Scared isn't the right word because fear pushes me. Even when I'm like, oh, I'm afraid of something, my wife looks at me and she's like, yeah, but it always makes you better. So why are you 
afraid or afraid to be afraid because anytime somebody lights a fire under your butt or you think that there's a fire under your butt you end up going out there and not only doing well which I knew you were going to do but you do even better than maybe you thought you were going to do and my wife is 100% right those of us that are forged in the fire that rise up through it we show you what it's all about when you're forged in the fire when you are built from that when you have gone through that and you know it and you feel it the sensation of it and it I mean you just it's something that you become accustomed to it's something that you learn to live in you learn to live with and you learn to move forward with that as part of who you are that fire that is all around you that's meant to burn you ends up fueling you to be better ends up fueling you to be stronger ends up fueling you to go out there and do what people not only what people don't think you can do but to do everything that you know you can do because it doesn't matter what people don't think you can do it matters what you want to do and what you believe you can do you're not living in this world to please other people you're not living in this world to make other people happy you know you want your wife and your children to be happy I respect that I'm not trying to say anything like that but you're not in this world to make other people have a great life at your expense is what I'm trying to say I mean of course you want to make your children happy your grandchildren happy your wife your husband your mom your dad you want to make them all happy but the key to happiness is knowing that there's one person that you can for sure make happy every day and that's yourself I could do everything I want in my power and maybe I don't make and maybe I don't make my mom happy that day maybe I don't make my dad happy maybe I don't make my wife happy maybe I don't make whatever happy you know we have no control over that we can try but we have no control over that because you could bring flowers and candy and a sweet note and be the best person in the world but if that person on the other side of you is depressed downtrodden doesn't love themselves doesn't care about their lives doesn't see the beauty that is life no matter what you do and how good it is it's not seen and it doesn't change them because they don't want to change right we know that you can do everything in the world to make somebody happy but they have to choose to be happy it's the hardest thing in the world to come to terms with because we blame what do we do we blame ourselves right well she's not happy because of me well he's not happy because of me well this isn't this because of me no it's not no it's not you can only control what you can control if you go and push somebody down yeah it's your fault right it's your fault that's crazy to think it's not your fault of course it's your fault you pushed them down the only person that you can make happy every single day is yourself and you hope that that rubs off on other people DeAndre Smith is one of those people that rubs off on other people his smile from dimple to dimple I mean when he smiles and he goes and he doesn't BS you he goes out there and he talks to you he smiles he's happy he wants you to have fun and and you know him and I do business similarly in the sense of how we attack things I want to work with people that want to work with me I want to work with people that I could be friends with and have fun with he's their coach but he's also somebody who wants the best for them and he's also somebody that 10 years down the road will be like yeah you're in the you're in my city come to my house let's have some dinner that's how I am with the companies and the businesses I work with if we can't sit down and break bread together why are we working together so I have a lot of respect for DeAndre and I hope that Larry Fedora Fedora will give him a chance and once he gives him a chance which he already has and making him the coach but I mean allow him to develop and grow I really do hope that 
DeAndre is somebody who Larry Fedora starts to just look at as a piece of his team that he has to have and that it's not an expendable commodity but that DeAndre Smith essentially becomes part of keeping the lights on when you look at North Carolina. MJ Stewart was the next guy that you heard from in my interviews of the Coastal Division's North Carolina Tar Heels. And MJ said, I would consider it an honor that the team's relying on the defense this year to be the backbone of a team. It's an honor. So we're going to take that head on, use it as motivation defensively to show people we're one of the best defenses in the nation. Now, they struggled to hold teams down, and so did Pittsburgh, which turned into that 30-plus, 30-plus game where Pittsburgh ended up defeating North Carolina last year. So Pitt has something to show defensively, and so does North Carolina. I look forward to seeing how MJ Stewart handles the pressure, and for his benefit and the team's benefit, hope it goes well for them. Because they now have an opportunity where if they become the backbone of this team and they have the offense leaning on them a little bit, especially at the start of the season, if they can produce then that's going to make a really dangerous North Carolina team that will be vying for the ACC championship title for years to come if that defense gets right and if this offense can continue to move forward with their own transfers and Brandon Harris at quarterback from LSU and what he could do there. I want to see what Brandon Harris could be as a quarterback because LSU was more about Leonard Fournette and more about the run and this and that. I want to see what Brandon Harris can be. I feel like we haven't seen maybe even half of him. So I look forward to what we're going to see with North Carolina, and you know I'll be paying attention. Bentley Spain, offensive tackle for the team, who you also heard me speak with, he said, I think the great thing about our O-line is that we have a group of guys that really isn't competitive with each other. We just want each other to do well and be successful. So it's not about beating the other guy out, essentially, but building each other up. We've welcomed the guys in with open arms of transfers like Rodgers and Dillard. We're excited to have them and it builds more depth. So Bentley's saying, listen, we're a family. You know, we're competing with other teams. We're not competing with each other. We want to see each other do well. And, you know, some people might say, well, that's insane. Of course you got to compete with each other. You're trying to get the starting job. There's more than five linemen that are on the roster, so why wouldn't you compete with each other? Bentley's response to that is, listen, these are my teammates. I want to build them up. I want them to build me up, and we're going to build up this team together. Respect. I respect that a lot. We'll take our final step aside of the show for a fast break and come back with my question and answer from Justin Fuente as well as Andrew Matua-Puaka and Cam Phillips, the second-best team in the ACC last year, the winners of the Coastal Division, and a team that pushed Clemson, who won a national championship, to the brink in the ACC championship game. Coming up next to round out the show, Virginia Tech Hokies. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Sal Lamedico, owner and operator of Sal's Pizza and Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Ballersville. We are family-owned and operated since 2002. We take pride in customer service and quality of food. Where it's paramount, we don't choose between both. We offer carry-out, delivery, and catering. Or you can bring your family and friends in and enjoy a friendly staff and comfortable atmosphere. Trivia is offered once a week, every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call us at 315-638-8505 or visit us online at salspizzabville.com. We're here at Sal's Pizza Restaurant, 
for more than pizza. This is Dr. Tim Whiting of Sturp Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Here at Sturp Chiropractic, we strive to provide our patients with the highest quality of care in a comforting and welcoming atmosphere. We are not simply pain doctors. We spend time looking at the whole body and address each patient's needs and goals. This usually includes chiropractic adjustments, muscle work, and tips on nutrition and supplementation that fits each patient's needs. We want to develop a plan that promotes overall health and wellness and focuses on future injury prevention. Our office is located at 1628 West Genesee Street in Syracuse. Please give us a call at 315 472-7128 with any of your chiropractic or wellness needs. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Since 1984, the Press Box has been a staple of Oswego, New York, and upstate New York in its entirety. Located on 29 East 1st Street in Oswego, right by the water, it is your two-tier restaurant with a fully stocked sports bar and outdoor patio, giving you different experiences throughout the seasons. Fit for every single time of year, the Press Box on 29 East 1st Street in Oswego, New York, is owned and operated locally by the Canale family that put a personal touch on every single time you walk through the door. Whether it's watching a game, coming for the live coaches show, or whatever your journey may be, the Press Box is open Sundays from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., and on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. For more information, call 315-343-0308. That's 315-343-0308. The Press Box truly is the one place you can't afford to miss in Oswego. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Very happy to have you here on the broadcast, spending the entire show today discussing the ACC Coastal Division and putting all those interviews together that I did at the ACC kickoff all in one place for the Coastal Division so you can hear from all seven representative teams. And the final team to hear from today is going to be the Virginia Tech Hokies, ACC Coastal Division regular season reigning champions and the second best team to only Clemson in the ACC last year. And Clemson went on to win the national championship. So that's saying something about the Virginia Tech Hokies, who in their first season under Justin Fuente, who I covered at Memphis, I knew Memphis was good, that Justin Fuente helped them to become a force to be reckoned with. And I thought Justin Fuente was the most coveted coach going into before last season. So not uh, not this past offseason, but the offseason before he got the job at Virginia Tech. I thought he was the biggest name out there. I thought that he was the most ex- he could be the guy that could ask for the most money out there when it came to finding a coach for all these teams that had vacancies a couple seasons ago. I thought he was the biggest name. 
biggest name out there, best opportunity. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Virginia Tech took five seconds to hire this guy. Didn't waste any time bringing him to Virginia Tech and to Blacksburg, and that obviously said a lot about you know what I already thought of Justin Fuente. I thought he was the biggest name out there, and they snatched up the big fish really quickly. And with that being said, Justin Fuente took his first season, went to the ACC championship game, pushed Clemson in a game that looked like it was out of it looked like it was going to be out of hand in the first quarter. He pushed them all the way, made this game interesting, made Deshaun Watson play one of the best games he ever played in college, made receivers like Hunter Renfro and Deion Kane have to make these amazing catches and pull off these huge plays in order to win the game. Big respect to Virginia Tech, to guys like Cam Phillips and Andrew Motua-Puaka, who you'll hear from as, as well. And they're both back. Justin Fuentes in his second season. And if the first season is ACC runner-up, well, then this year he's trying to win that ACC championship crown and put Virginia Tech in good footing with the college football pay playoff, New Year's Six Bowls, so on and so forth. And with that being said, Justin Fuente is up next, learning from Bud Foster daily, his defensive coordinator, and what it means to have him on and off the field. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is he's a true professional. Comes to work every single day with a quest of teaching, mentoring young men, and ultimately putting the best defensive product out there on the field. It's great to have that resource. It's great to have someone on the staff that understands things that have happened at Virginia Tech in the past. And I just really enjoy it. You know, I mean, there's a uh, a lot of people I'm sure that have talked about this transition and how is it going to work and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, it doesn't work unless people are professional. It doesn't work unless they conduct themselves in a professional manner. And uh, large reason for how smooth this has been has been Bud, his professionalism, his, his excitement, Bud for Virginia Tech. Uh, I just really enjoyed the passion and that coming from Justin Fuente, the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies. And as we've been doing, I will go through the coach and the two-player interviews, and then after that, we'll break down what each of them had to say to round out today's show. Up next is linebacker Andrew Motuapuaka, and what we had to speak on was the linebacker core returning and the chip on his shoulder getting to the ACC championship but not winning last season. And this is what he had to say. Um, so as far as And from the defensive side with Andrew Motuapuaka to the offensive side of the ball, another guy returning, Cam Phillips, wide receiver for the team. Why this season's Virginia Tech team is still a dangerous force to be reckoned with. This is what Cam had to say.
Coming once again from Cam Phillips to round out Virginia Tech, the reigning ACC Coastal Division champs, which is why they were last here on the show today. Save the best for last, the team that rose to the top of the ACC Coastal Division, the last team that you hear from on today's broadcast of Wake Up Call. And to go back to Bud Foster, I mean, this is a guy who, after leaving Murray State, has been with Virginia Tech from 1987 to now. 1987, 30 years with Virginia Tech, 30, 1987 to 2017, and to go back to what Justin Fuente had to say about having him on staff and the respect that he has for him, he called him the best defensive coordinator in the entire nation, and obviously that's no disrespect. If you know Justin Fuente, he's a humble guy, he's a nice guy, hardworking guy, and when he gives somebody a compliment, it's never to take away from somebody else. It's just to establish that he knows what he has and he appreciates what he has. So to go back to the words from Justin Fuente and what he had to say about Bud Foster, somebody who's been with this team for 30 years, 30 years, and who stayed after the changing of the guard, after Frank Beamer finished up, to stay with a new coach says something a lot about Bud Foster and his care for Blacksburg and the Hokies. So, Justin Fuente saying, first thing that comes to mind is he's a true professional, comes to work every single day with a quest of teaching and mentoring young men and ultimately putting the best defensive product out on the field. It's great to have that resource, someone on staff that understands things that happened at Virginia Tech in the past. And he says he really enjoys it. He's talked, he said, I'm sure that they have talked about this transition and how it's going to work, and it doesn't work unless people are professional. It doesn't work unless they conduct themselves in a professional manner. A large reason for how smooth this has been is Bud and his professionalism and his, an excite, his excitement and love for Virginia Tech. So, I mean, again, what I said and what Justin Fuente said right on the same path, Bud Foster has professionalism, he has care and concern, and transitions only work well when there's a professional manner to how things are taken. And Bud cares so much and loves Virginia Tech so much that he stayed through this transition, which says a lot, should say a lot to that fan base about Bud Foster. And then as far as the firepower returning at linebacker and what he can say about a chip on his shoulder from the ACC championship. But Tua Puaka said, we're working hard to be the best linebacker core. We're not satisfied with the, accompliment, with the accomplishments we've accomplished. I love that. 
we're not satisfied with the accomplishments that we've accomplished. I feel like that's a quote that you could put up. We want more for ourselves. Didn't say we didn't appreciate it. Said we're not satisfied with this being it. And we have a great coach that pushes us every single day. Andrew, Andrew Motuapuaka, to say that about Justin Fuente, after Justin's only been there for a year, one season, this being his second season, that says a lot. As far as making it back to the ACC championship, we definitely have a chip on our shoulder, being that we didn't win last year, and our goal is to make it back. Respect on that, Andrew Motuapuaka. And then finally, with Cam Phillips, he said, regardless of what we lost, I still think we have a large nucleus of talent, especially on defense. And on the offensive side, we have experience, along with great coaching. So another, both players representing Virginia Tech at the ACC kickoff saying, coaching, we have great coaching. So going back to Justin Fuente and going back to this bonding of former Frank Beamer assistants to Justin Fuente assistants and them all working together. He said, I like the senior leadership and the experience we have in myself and Trayvon McMillan and Wyatt Teller. I think it'll help us greatly to bring some of these young guys along. And he said, we're going to need these guys for us in third and two, third and five, fourth and three situations. I think this camp in this summer is going to be important for the young guys to gain maturity and show us growth. I think they've done a great job so far. I've tried to lead them the best I can, and I'm going to do that, hopefully, to bring success to our team. Leadership and knowing that there's more work to be done. And Cam Phillips, yeah, he he dressed he dressed up. He had he had the glasses going on from a different world. I love that he quoted Dwayne Wayne. Or not quoted Dwayne Wayne, but he said, somebody asked him, why are you wearing those glasses? And he said, well, a great character on a great show, Dwayne Wayne in a different world wore these. And I thought, besides Cam Phillips, I might be the only person in the room that knew what the heck he was talking about at the ACC kickoff, but he automatically, I was like, big ups to him. I wanted to go right on stage and, like, slap him high five, go sit back down. If you're, if you're saying Dwayne Wayne in a different world and that's why you got those flip-up sunglasses, we could be friends. That's how, I, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Love it. Loved. I love that connection, and I thought that that was really cool and, and really awesome. So, you know, but this is a guy who knows that they have to – do more work this season. They have to bring along the young guys. They have every intent on doing so, every intent on pushing the team forward. And I have a lot of respect for what they're trying to do, what they're working to do. And I have a lot of respect for Cam Phillips, who, as much as people might judge him and say, oh, he's flashy because of the way he's dressed, he said, hey, it's my job and the job of these other guys to make, these young, to make sure that these young guys are ready and know about the importance of their job because we're going to need them on third down and fourth down. He didn't say, it's all me, I got this, give me the ball, every down, every play. He said, no, we're going to need the rest of this receiving core, and it's my job to help grow these young kids so that they're ready in those clutch situations so that we can improve and we can move forward. That's a team player. Respect it. And that finishes the ACC Coastal Division coverage. On tomorrow's show on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora here on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, I'm very proud to say that we will be covering the ACC Atlantic Division. 
you will hear from Boston College, NC State, Clemson, Florida State, Wake Forest, Louisville, and of course Syracuse on tomorrow's show. You will hear all of them together, and I thank you so much for tuning in to today's show and coverage of the Coastal. And for this week, we did the American Athletic East Division on Monday, the American Athletic West Division on Tuesday, and here we are moving forward with the ACC Coastal Division today and the ACC Atlantic Division tomorrow. I appreciate both conferences and all of college football and the conferences and the NCAA as a whole for their open-door policy on me doing something that I love. I look forward to bringing you the interviews tomorrow. I look forward to bringing you to start off the show right at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Ryan Hall following the big announcement from the Syracuse Silver Knights, and bringing you at 10.50 a.m. or maybe a little bit after on tomorrow's show to round out the show through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events and Kira Wasserback, the owner. Any event that you have, if you're thinking about doing an event, you got an event coming up, you got an event that you started to plan and you need help with, you had an event where somebody was running it and it just went terribly wrong or fell off the rails, call 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Make the phone call, ask for Kira, let her know that you heard it on Wake Up Call. She will take care of you. She is great at planning events. She's a very caring person. She's a hardworking woman, and I am more than proud of having her on my team. So make sure that you give her a phone call and show her some love. God bless. Have a great day. I will see you tonight for trivia at Sales at 7 p.m. Sales Restaurant in Baldwinsville, 41 East Genesee Street in Baldwinsville. I'll see you tonight, 7 p.m., wake-up call, live trivia, questions on all different topics. Great time. We packed the place. 40, 50 people inside of there playing trivia. It's a packed house inside of Sales in Baldwinsville. Great community. Love everybody I've had the opportunity to meet and shake hands with. It's been an absolute pleasure that has spent some time talking with me about family, laughing with me. And those of you that know my trivia know that it's not just trivia. I kind of use it as stand-up as well. So it's a little bit of stand-up comedy, a little bit of trivia. Want you all to have a good time and have fun. And, you know, if I could be somebody that could brighten up your day, if your day's already bright, I want to make it brighter. If it's dim, well, we're about to turn the lights on. I'll see you at Trivia at Sales Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in Bowensville, New York, tonight and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at DanTortoraMedia, and on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT. Big news coming up. Going to do a Facebook Live video coming up today. I promised you all the video, Two Guidos in a Kitchen Making Brajal in Memory of G-Mama. We had to push it to today, so we are going to do it today. So we, we didn't have all the ingredients we needed to do it the right way, and we have those today, so we're going to make it happen. I'm heading over there for lunch to do that today. So watch out for that video, the Facebook Live video, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Follow me on wakeupcalldt.com. Become a free member there and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. In the meantime, God bless you. Have a great day. And just appreciate your life. Can't change the past, but you can affect the present in a positive or negative way. The latter is not even option. Not even an option. It's not. So go be good out there. 
and know that you got somebody praying for you. I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you achieve success, and I hope that you can lay your head on your pillow at night and be proud of yourself. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.